0: Hey there, Anna Guest Jelly here. Welcome to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast where we talk about and practice all things body affirming and yoga. Now let's get into it. Welcome everybody, I'm so glad to be here with you as always. Okay, so raise your hand if this sounds familiar. Starting on Monday, I'm really going to start sticking to my diet. I am committing to it and not letting myself off the hook. This time, I am serious. Now, raise your hand if you're not driving. I mean, don't raise both your hands if you're driving, but (laughs) otherwise, raise your hand if this sounds familiar starting next week, I'm really going to start sticking to my yoga practice. I am committing to it and not letting myself off the hook. This time, I'm serious. (laughs) Y'all, I am waving both of my hands wildly in the air right now because I'm not driving. (laughs) And if you are looking around for other raised hands like I am, don't worry, I don't think we're alone. (laughs) You do not have to look far. We get hooked by these quote-unquote promises all the time. And I don't know about you, but I am sure I've said some iteration of those two phrases thousands of times in my life, tens of thousands of times in my life, definitely a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And we, we kind of already know that about the dieting side of things, right? Like we've talked about it here. We have a sense of how it works and more importantly, how it doesn't work. But sometimes the yoga practice side can be a little bit more complicated to see because yeah, we may be applying that exact same diet mentality to our yoga practice. So here's The way that I used to try and get going with my yoga practice. First, I would commit to starting an intense, vigorous practice for at least 60 minutes every day, no exceptions. It didn't matter how I felt, what was going on in my life, that is what I was doing. Next, I would do that for mm, two and a half days. (laughs) Then I would stop for A minimum of three days. Then I would try it again for another 1.25 really intense days. Then I would just stop for good. But that wasn't the whole process because next up was criticizing myself incessantly. And after that was over, I would just start the whole wonderful process over and over and over again. And as you might already know, I could just pick that process up whole cloth and lay it over my dieting days because it was the exact same thing. Okay. So one of the things that I love about both yoga and body acceptance is that they're both practices. When I was growing up, we had a family friend who was a doctor and he would always say, there's a reason why they call it a medical practice. And honestly, I always found that slightly disturbing (laughs) in regards to the medical field, though I know it's true. But the same thing is true here. There's a reason why we call it a practice. Practice means that you're engaged in a process, iterating when needed, not just getting to a particular point and calling it a day. But of course, we forget this over and over, even though the word practice is like right there in front of our face. Yoga practice. It's right there. (laughs) So here's the thing about practice. Practice helps us to inscribe something into our beings. The more you practice something, the more you come to know it, be in conversation with it, get more rooted in it. For years, I was practicing making it harder and harder to trust myself. That is what I was practicing. By engaging in that stop, start, binge restriction cycle of dieting that I also applied to yoga. So though each time I started again, I thought I was trying to make things easier on myself. What I was actually doing was making them way, way harder. Because what actually happened each time I engaged in that process is I got further and further away from my goal which on the surface was to lose weight or change my body or whatever, but my real goal was actually just to feel better in and about my body, and that wasn't something that I had to wait on. So the same, of course, was true when I approached my yoga practice in that way. The more I told myself that I would do a particular type of practice for a set amount of time, the harder and harder it became to have a regular practice at all, because each time I cycled through, I felt more discouraged than the time before. So when I saw the parallels between those processes, I realized that there might be another way. So we've talked some here about intuitive eating, had some great guests talking about it in season one. I'll link to those in the show notes. We've also talked about the idea of being body neutral, which is really what I believe body love looks like. Even though we get the idea that it looks like you know running through a field with streamers in our hair, it really I think is about embodiment. Being in your body, being in your body in this moment and that that is a process of affirming your body. So what I would really like to do is start to bring some of those things together, and consider essentially an intuitive eating approach to practice both our yoga and our body acceptance practice because I think that the same principles apply. What I hear constantly from y'all is that you want a more regular yoga practice. I truly, I do not know one person who practices yoga who doesn't say that they want a more regular practice. It doesn't matter if they've been practicing for a year or for 20 years, if they're a student or they're a teacher, pretty much everybody wants a little bit more of that, at least in their life. But many of us, (laughs) myself included, are approaching it that dieting way, which is never going to result in a sustainable practice over the course of our lives, even if by some miracle we stick with it for a certain amount of time. So I want to share with you what I have learned about what does work and get into a conversation with you about this more intuitive eating type approach, an intuitive movement type approach to practice. So here's the first component. Which is to work within a practice framework. The beautiful thing about practice is that the concept of practice exists outside of a success failure paradigm. I know that we have that phrase practice makes perfect in our culture but it's an oxymoron because real-life practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes you more in tune with what you're doing, which in turn helps you practice more consistently because you're responding to what's needed on a day to day basis, which of course overall may result in the process becoming more easeful, which isn't necessarily easy, just kind of better known. Um, People like professional athletes and musicians, you know, they're often kind of held up as examples of this idea of practice makes perfect. But they're actually not operating within the, within the realm of practice. They're operating within the realm of a pretty rigid discipline, which almost no one can maintain over long periods of time without the specter of a professional sports contract or a record deal or something like that looming over them. So while many of us may have some periods of our lives where we operate under discipline more intensely for some reason, overall that's not sustainable particularly over the long term. So sometimes it's hard to remember this outside the context of dieting though so all you have to do is look back and remember how many times you've made that on Monday morning pledge that we talked about earlier to know that it's really not something that sticks. So this is kinda that first component which is to let practice be your guiding framework not success or failure. Because there's no way to succeed or fail at practice, there's just more practice. So for example, let's say you have a day where you do your yoga practice on the mat, you feel really good about it. Guess what the next day holds? More practice. (laughs) You begin again, same as you did before, and you see what's true in this moment. Ditto if the next day you do your practice and you feel terrible about it, or you don't do it at all. There's not success or failure coming up. What's coming up is more practice and conversation with your own self. And that brings me to the next component of this idea, which is to collaborate with your body. Here's what I think. When you get to know your body's needs, you develop a more finely tuned sense of, for example, what food it wants and when. And as you engage in that process and become more familiar with your body, you notice your own natural patterns. What nourishes you one season as opposed to another, what you need when you're sick versus when you're well, how things change when you haven't slept versus when you're feeling more rested. You really come to know in your bones that feeding yourself isn't a one-and-done proposition, but rather something that, while you can certainly develop a general starting point for most days, isn't going to be exactly the same every single day for the rest of your life, no matter what. And you know that because you've learned to collaborate with your body, which is constantly changing in both noticeable and less noticeable ways. So when you work with your body in the same way regarding your yoga practice, you come to know what your body needs from day to day in this regard too. So rather than imposing an outside structure like that 60 minutes per day we talked about earlier, you learn to ebb and flow with your body. Again, you notice your natural patterns like when you need an energy boost from a more vigorous practice and when you need to lie down, when you need more time to come back to yourself and when a few deep breaths will suffice. Things like how things change based on how you feel, what you're feeling, what's going on with your life. And again you know that because you've learned to collaborate with your body, which like we just talked about is constantly changing and both noticeable less noticeable ways. And that brings me to the last thing that I want to talk about here, which is to prioritize checking in with yourself over achievement. So this is the other component of creating a sustainable yoga practice, which is figuring out where to put your focus. Because it's so tempting to put that focus on an object of achievement, like a particular pose, if we're talking about yoga, like losing x pounds in a dieting context. And while there's nothing wrong with trying a new pose, focusing on it can often set you up for disappointment because it can throw you right back into that dieting type cycle if you don't get there, you don't get there a certain amount of time, you know, once we have a goal like that we often then add a bunch of layers on top of it. So either you work for the pose and don't reach it, give up, or you do it, then you struggle to do it again, letting yourself get discouraged when invariably it's not possible for you anymore, or you do one version, but then you want to do another version and that version isn't possible for you, or the next pose isn't. You can see how it just kind of becomes this constantly moving thing where you never are like, oh, I got there. Well, now I'm good. You know, you're always kind of changing the bar on yourself. So you start to let yourself get into the realm of being a good or bad yogi, which is, you know, of course, followed very quickly by the realm of being a good or bad person, which then is also followed quickly by a downward spiral. But when you put your focus on checking in with yourself and supporting yourself, it lets you step outside the either-or-ness of achievement. And what I have found is that when I approach my yoga practice this way, it's very rooted in curiosity. So when I show up to the mat, I get to find out, what do I need today? What would support me? How can I use this as a time to come back to myself? from that perspective, there's no way for me to succeed or fail. Even, this is important to say, even if I have a hard time listening on any given day, or can't listen at all, or feel like I don't have the skills to listen, because my intention wasn't to do something, but to be with myself, and one of the patterns I've noticed is that some days that's hard, but that's all it is, it doesn't mean it's impossible, that means that I am able to continue to stay with the practice and not fall back into that cycle we talked about earlier. Because listen, some days you can't be with yourself. You're overwhelmed, exhausted, you're scared, grieving, numb, anything else that keeps you away from yourself. That too is part of life and part of practice. And sometimes the way that you stay on your own side is by giving yourself a break, by letting yourself take a nap or watch TV or surf the internet, or whatever else. I know there's so many messages saying don't do those things, but guess what? We can't always be (laughs) engaged every moment of life. That is not how it goes. So doing that for a day or period of time doesn't mean that that's all you're going to do for the rest of eternity. (laughs) You know, like we talked about earlier, you want to be in this practice framework, which is opening up the possibilities letting you learn to figure out what you need in your own life and when you are in that process you come to trust it over time you know that one day or one hour or whatever away from your practice is not a problem it's not a sign that you failed it's not a sign that you'll never get back into it you just come back the practice again. Because what you're really doing within this intuitive approach to practice, and intuitive just meaning that it's structured in what you know and learn about your own body, it's not structured in external guidelines. What happens when you're in this process is that you create a practice that is responsive to your own life as it actually is. And what that means is that it will necessarily be different at different times because your life is different at different times. Your body is different at different times. But you have shaped something that can shift with you and grow with you. You can meet it to learn new poses or not to do something physically challenging or not. And guess what? That's all going to be part of your life and practice over the course of time. This approach is not saying, oh, let's just do nothing, which is what I think our minds tell us. Like, well, if I do this, if I don't put this plan in place, then I'm never going to do anything. What I have found is that the opposite is true. When you give yourself the permission and the freedom to be with and who and what you need in the moment, then you adapt and are able to respond and create that sustainable practice that you want over time and that stays with you over the course of your life. So I'm so interested in this idea these days. I would love to hear what you think about this, kind of um, what you're kicking around about it, percolating on, as I would put it, um, once you listen. And let's keep talking about it. I think this is so, so important because when we can find a way into practice that we can stay with, that really meets our lives and bodies, I think so much is possible because that is when yoga can really work on us. Body acceptance can really work on us because we're not just touching in for a day and then touching out for a week and so on and so forth. We're really creating a long-term conversation, and that's where I think true change and transformation can happen. So thank you for listening. Let's take a breath together. We'll inhale and exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to Love Curvy Yoga.